Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Talk That Talk show with Barry Holmes. Hey, that's me. Um, I'm just really <laughs> just mesmerized at the fact that we've already, you know, covered six episodes and we're on to our seventh episode now. Um, you know, it's been a great journey so far, and I'm really, how could I say, it's just been, you know, really a great, awesome experience to be able to just talk sports on here, to create our own platform for myself, and then also to, you know, just have those loyal listeners out there. Um, I have my friends that, you know, message me and, you know, have, you know, given me text messages, given me suggestions on the things that they want to hear and some of the topics and some of the tweaks that I should do to the show. So I really appreciate the support that I've had. Um, we're at 424 all-time plays. Um, we're streaming in 32 different countries. We've hit every single continent. And, you know, it, it's it's crazy just really to see the amount of people that are supporting this show and just to see who really is out there listening. You never know who's listening. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the, the stats and everything, and, you know, I have 127 plays in Asia. You know, we're streaming in China, Taiwan, and Japan. And that's that's not an easy thing to do, especially, you know, just starting this podcast and just figuring out, you know, the things that need to be done to make it better and how I myself can become a better podcaster. And I've been doing a lot of research, um, just listening to a lot of other people's different podcasts and trying to get ideas to see, you know, what's going to work, you know. And one of the things that I learned or how could I say I had a different, you know, take on or, you know, made me think um, was at this all staff meeting that I had, you know, at my my full time job at Playworks. And one of the exercises that they had us do was we we got into a bunch of different groups and we had to play this game Shapeshifters. And for people that, you know, aren't really known as far as, you know, games and how to facilitate games in the school setting um shapeshifters is a game where you uh tell the group to make a certain shape and you don't give them any directions on how to make that shape but you know it's their job to try and do that and when we did the the exercise we were in about three or four different groups and the first thing that uh you know our manager told us to do was you know to make a triangle and you know looking at looking around i didn't really look around at any of the other groups but, I, you know, we were able to make our, our triangle. Then the next time he tells us to make a square. And then lastly, he tells us to make a circle. So, you know, after debriefing this game, you know, he pretty much tells us that, you know, to look and see at all the different ways that there were to make these different shapes, right? And he really tied it back into perspective. And I think that that was a, a great lesson that I could learn and to, to try and apply in a bunch of various different ways in my life, you know. Um, there's more than different ways to see one thing, and there's more than one different ways to view certain situations or experiences that we have. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about when, when he told us to make the triangle was one person actually got on the floor and laid down, and there was no other group that did that. And then he tried to, you know, bring it back to the fact of, you know, what is our perspective and how we can make the most out of our time, you know, and maximize that. So when I talk about perspective, you know, I, I think about my podcast and I look 
and I'm streaming here on Facebook. And on my Facebook, I have about over 1,600 Facebook friends. But right now, we have two that are on the, the live stream feed watching. And I could take the perspective of, oh, my, my show isn't you know succeeding because I don't have X amount of number of viewers. Or I could say, oh, you know, I don't have all my episodes over 100 views, so you know, my show isn't successful. And one of the things that you know, it relates back to with perspective is you know, how are we perceiving what's happening every single day? So when I look at it, I think, wow. I'm really appreciative of the fact that I have two people that are listening in and that want to watch and see what I'm saying. I have to take the perspective of being positive and then that will then push this show forward because that's what talking that talk is all about. You know, it's just the perspective of being and doing what it is that we say. You know, it's a certain level of integrity and, you know, that only comes from perspective and the right perspective. So, you know, I'm really appreciative for all the listeners out there and we're just going to get into the show. So, you know, for all our new listeners, for all of uh, the people that haven't tuned in, you can always catch us on Tuesday, 7 p.m. on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and then also on what's the on Buzzsprout as well, too. OK, so that's what we have. And we're about to get right into it, okay? Um, the first topic that I'm really happy to, to to talk about here is my New York Mets. I, I love my Mets. We're 10-6 and six right now. We're first in the NL East. We've won four of our last six games. And, you know, the last two series, uh, we split with Minnesota, and then we split with Atlanta. But when you think about it, in these games, in these early series, I talked about it before, but you really have to do a good job of trying to split these series or win these series because this is what's going to give you the momentum you know, throughout the different months, and this is also the way that you're going to give yourself a nice little cushion just in case you do hit a rough patch. Um, I think the one impressive thing that the, the Mets were able to do yesterday Everybody was talking about how great Philadelphia is and, you know, how an amazing start they've had. They kind of paralleled our success. But when you think about it, the Mets were able to beat them 7-6 to six in extra innings yesterday. Now, that might seem like, a, you know, an average win or something that, you know, is really supposed to happen. But when you look at what the Mets have, you know, kind of failed with, and that's, you know, really been the fact that we haven't had that run support, right? The run support last year was a big, big issue. And that that's what it's been as far as, you know, backing up our pitchers that are pitching solid games. You know, um, if you look at this team, we have 98 runs in 16 games. You know, that that's a huge difference. And that's actually the most that we've had in franchise history. You know, you're second in the, the National League in runs. You're third in the National League in hits. And your team is batting 268 as a team. I think when you think about it, 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 it really is a, a tremendous increase from what we've had last year because the batting for the Mets, it, it's been critical. You know, you got Jeff McNeil who's hitting 404, you got Pete Alonso who's hitting 339, and then Wilson Ramos who's hitting 320. So these are, you know, your top guys um, that are getting the hits for this team. And they always used to say when we were kids, you know, uh, home runs will get the girls, but hits get you wins, you know. And for this team to continue to hit and to, you know, manufacture runs, that's going to be important, especially when you have, you know, each starter 
except for Jason Vargas. So I'm sorry to shout you out there in a negative way, brother. But, you know, each one of our starters has had a quality start, you know. So when I look at, you know, our starting pitching and they're, you know, pitching solid games, we have to do a good job as the Mets of keeping that run support up there. And I got to shout out my boy Brandon Nimmo because in the last show I was on him and I was on his case because he wasn't hitting. And he was, you know, below 200 as our leadoff hitter. But he's had a tremendous, tremendous um, just reversal over these last couple games. I mean, he's got six extra base hits and, you know, he's really stepped into that leadership role in that leadoff spot. So I got to shout him out too. But the one thing that I look at this Mets team and that probably will hold us back is going to be that bullpen. It's been the same issue as last year. Um, you got Luis Avalon, who has eight earned runs. You got Jarius Familia, who has six earned runs. And then Corey Oswalt, who has five earned runs in three and a half innings. And, and that's just not going to get it done when you have a bullpen that is going to be needing to do the things that they need to do to make sure that the Mets can close these games out. I mean, we just ha- we got rid of Jarius Familia and got him back. So, you know, there's more pressure on him to go out here and do what he has to do and close out innings, all right? Seriously, walks is what gets you beat. So, you know, if you're a a relief pitcher in that Mets bullpen, you have to have confidence in your stuff and and try and throw those best pitches that are going to beat these hitters because at the end of the day, I know pitching in the major leagues is hard. But you're getting paid X amount of dollars to do that. So the Mets bullpen has to step it up for this team to really be considered a true contender. But one of the people that I have to shout out in that bullpen that makes them a true contender is Edwin Diaz. Um, Just last night, the Mets were able to pick up that win in extra innings, and he got his sixth save of the season. So in 10 games for the Mets that they've won, he saved six of those. So Edwin Diaz, whether you like it or not, is an important and critical part of the the Mets' success because he has saved more than half of the games that they've won, which kind of leads me to one of the things that I read and I was really a little bit intrigued about was the fact that Mickey Calloway, the manager, had a couple of choice things to say about the usage of Edwin Diaz. And one of the things that he said was is that he is not going to pitch in more than one inning except into the postseason. He also said that he's not going to pitch him in a tie game on the road. And and I really have a problem with this because yesterday they had a four-out save situation where they could have you know, used Edwin Diaz to pick up the win a little bit earlier, but they chose not to. And when you have a struggling bullpen like the Mets have right now, you know, it's really important for Edwin Diaz to get his confidence up and to be in these situations. I don't care if it's April or I don't care if it's October. He has to have an opportunity to get these four out saves or to pitch on the road in these games because how can you expect him or you know expect him to be his best when pitching in the postseason if he doesn't have the opportunity to do the, the things that are going to come up in the postseason. I mean, how can you ask a guy to go out and save a game for you in a tie situation? Well, not save it, but how can you ask him to, you know, hold the game over for you and maybe that World Series game that's on the road, but you haven't even given him the opportunity to in the regular season? So I kind of also think back to what happened with Steven Strasburg when he first came into the league. 
because he had that pitch count with Washington, and they wound up going into the playoffs, and they chose not to pitch him. And a lot of people were were up in up in a roar about that. And when you hold a pitcher back, I don't care who you are, that's going to affect your confidence. And then also, if you're a team that's you know hasn't really done much in the postseason as Washington was, you know how can you hold a guy back that was as, as successful? as Steven Strasburg but was. So, you know, when I think about, you know, restricting these pitchers, you know, I just hope that Mickey Calloway can some way, you know, think change his thinking here because Edwin Diaz is an important part of this Mets run and he is going to have to have the situations like a four-out situation or pitching on the road where we're going to need him. And if you don't give him those opportunities or you flat out say that I'm not going to pitch him in those situations, how do you think that the um, the bullpen is going to feel? I mean, they're going to have even more added pressure because they know Edwin's not coming in. So I think that Mickey's doing a, a real disservice to the team confidence here by saying that. But, you know, I'm not the manager of the Mets. So, you know, we'll see how that works out for us. Um, and then, you know, finally, I saw a picture from CBS Sports and it had Noah Syndergaard in a little bit of a questionable situation. And one of the things that I saw was is that he had his index finger and his middle finger cupped into his glove on the, the inner part. And some people could say that he might have been trying to dip at some uh, pine tar to make the grip a little bit better on the baseball. But I think that you know, this situation is kind of like a reflection of, you know, how social media has impacted the game of not only baseball, but sports in general, because now, you know, these split second things can be clipped and misconstrued in a whole bunch of different ways. And, you know, I like to believe in the integrity of, you know, Noah Syndergaard and believe that he is not using pine tar and I think that this is really just grasping at straws for some people. So, you know, I don't think that if you look at that picture, check it out. But I don't think it's really much to uh, to, to really look into. So don't believe, don't believe the hype. But what I will tell you to believe the hype about is, is those Houston Rockets in the NBA playoffs. Right now, they're up 1-0 on the Jazz. And when I think about, you know, what Houston was able to accomplish, you know, I, I think that they did not only beat the Jazz, but they beat them handily, you know? So I think, and I, I wonder if the Jazz, can they really rebound back from that? Because, you know, if you're in the first game of the series, I know it's seven-game series, but, you know, that kind of messes with your psyche a little bit when you really just go out and get pummeled, you know, that first game. So I, I really hope that Donovan Mitchell can rally the troops and try and make this series competitive. But I just think that, you know, James Harden and Chris Paul are on this war path right now. And I think that, you know, this might be a quick series. Um, one of the things that was interesting that we saw yesterday, one of the sad things that I, I think about is, you know, being on the East Coast, it's hard to stay up for these West Coast games. And I wish I would have stayed up for it yesterday. But that Clippers-Golden State game, I heard, was incredible um, for – the Clippers to come back from a 31-point deficit, you know, that's the largest in NBA playoff history. And that is, especially against the, the world champions and the, in, in the Golden State Warriors, you know, that is no easy feat. I know that, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, he uh, is out for the rest of the playoffs. Um, he got a quad injury. But, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors were able to win without Boogie Cousins. 
And I think that, you know, with him leaving, yes, it's going to hurt them. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be Boogie that's going to be the difference maker as far as if the Warriors are for real. When, you know, the Warriors made those changes after LeBron beat him in the, the, in the um, NBA Finals, the thing that changed was they got Kevin Durant. And I think that Kevin Durant is going to put this team on his shoulders and really come out and try and go at Patrick Beverly. I know that Patrick may have gotten the best of him in that game too, but, I mean, Kevin Durant has a, an amazing track record, especially in the playoffs now. So, you know, I just worry about how nonchalant that the Warriors were. They were saying about, oh, oh we know that we stopped playing, but I'm just a little bit, intrigued as far as how they're just so so careless with the fact that they didn't play or they stopped playing and you know it kind of speaks to the 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 kind of the ego and the mentality that we've given the Warriors by claiming them and proclaiming them as the best that now they're starting to think that oh we can lose a game like this and it doesn't matter and I think a lot of people do believe that too so we got to really take a look at how we're perceiving these guys because now you look at the Warriors and they, they don't even care. You know, now that they gotten beat, you know, after being up 31. But, you know, I, I think it's hard to, to see the Clippers really going out and beating the Warriors. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I got to give, you know, the shout out to the Sixers because, you know, a lot of people doubted them after the Nets came out and, and just beat them in game one. But, you know, I'm just a little bit worried for Brooklyn after seeing that Game 2 performance because, you know, the Sixers were clicking on all cylinders. And I just think when you look at that team on paper with Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, um, that's just a tough team to beat when they're playing and playing the way that they did last night. Um, Embiid just looked unguardable. And, you know, I really just think are the Nets, you know, outgunned? Because that game one was just pure spirit and they played their hearts out. But, you know, that's really difficult to do for seven games. So, you know, the Nets have a tough road ahead of them with the way Embiid showed that he can play last night. And, you know, we just have to see, you know, how how everything shakes out. Um, I want to believe that D'Angelo Russell is going to show up. Um, I know that the Nets are a blue-collar team. But one of the things that you need in the playoffs is star power. You need star power. So, you know, the Nets have a good team, and they're going to put up a good fight against the Sixers. But, you know, I don't think about this year. I think about the next years to come for Brooklyn. And they're going to need some star power if they're going to advance far into the playoffs. So we're going to see, you know, how that shakes out. But, you know, going into some of these other series, I, I don't see the Bucks not sweeping <laughs> the Detroit Pistons, because Detroit doesn't even have <laughs> Blake Griffin out there. So when you're relying on Langston Galloway, um, it's going to be a tough series for you. So I have a hard time thinking that Detroit's even going to pick up a win in that series. So look for Milwaukee and Giannis to just march on to the next round. Um, I see the Celtics are up 1-0 on Indiana. Um, one of the things that I saw with that game and when I look at the box score that worries me is that Indiana only had one person in double figures and that's just not going to cut it against Boston because Boston is a team that is you know shown that they can beat good caliber teams um, they've shown that they have experience in the playoffs last year especially without Kyrie so now that you add Kyrie I just I just have a hard time thinking that 
the Pacers will take this series. I think the Indiana can maybe squeak out one, but I think that this is up for the Celtics. Um, I think that they're going to move on to the next round. One of the things that I talked about with my friends and that was really something that I was happy to see was I said that Orlando could take two games from Toronto. I said that, and I will repeat that. And and they validated for me that in game one because DJ Augustine looked like he was back at Texas. I mean, this guy was balling his heart out. Um, he hit the game-winning shot with a hand in his face. Um, that game is going to be on today at 8 p.m. on TNT. So if you get a chance, check that one out because I don't know if Orlando is going to win this one. I think that Toronto, maybe that's the reality check that they needed. I, I don't know if they really do need one because, I mean, they have not really done anything in the playoffs. So this is important. This is an important series for them because this is something that they need to get the monkey off their back. They have Kawhi Leonard now. So I look for Toronto to ne- to take the next two games, um, and it starts tonight. So the next game that's on also at 9, 9 o'clock on NBA TV is San Antonio versus Denver. And this is so San Antonio for them to <laughs> to just really not have not really much expectations out of them. But yet here they are at the seventh seed uh, taking the first game against Denver. Um, I-, I wonder if Denver was just, you know, happy to be there and, you know, really just a regular season team. But. I think DeMar DeRozan really makes, you know, in a combination with LaMarcus Aldridge and San Antonio, I may, I see them as a team that nobody wants to play because Popovich is one of the best coaches of all time, and it's really hard to go up against them. They're, they're not going to give you anything. And even without Kawhi, here they are still getting wins in the playoffs. And then the last game for tonight is Oklahoma City against Portland. And... Portland's up 1-0 on this series. It's at 10.30 tonight on TNT. And I, I, I really think that this is Damian Lillard's time. Um, I think last year it was it was tough when they got swept. I know a lot of people were like they need to break up, you know, him and C.J. McCollum. But you look at that backcourt, and they put together last game 54 points. I mean, t- those two guys can score, and they're one of the best backcourts in the NBA. I know people are going to say Chris Paul and James Harden, but when you look at it, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard are as better as any duo in the backcourt in the NBA. And I really look for them to to take the next step in this series. Um, it's going to be difficult against you know Oklahoma City, but if Oklahoma City does not win against Portland this game then they're going to be in serious trouble coming back to OKC because I think pressure is the one thing that Oklahoma City has shown that has been their downfall. <clears throat> so let's hope that um, Russell Westbrook and also Paul George can kind of turn it on for Oklahoma City because they're only going to go as far as them, and they don't really have that deep of a team that they can rely on other guys to go out and score. I know Steven Adams is good, but he needs Russell Westbrook there to give him those situations. He's not a face-up guy that's going to go and drop 20 for you. So when I look at Oklahoma City, I see a team that, you know, has great stats. You know, they've gotten wins. They've gotten into the playoffs. But they just have – they don't have a deep enough team 
to to contend and to be true contenders. Paul George is a great player, but you know this is the West, and nothing is given to you in the West. So um, I really hope that I'm not right because I would like to see a competitive series. But if Portland is able to take this next game, then Oklahoma City is in big trouble. And then we can really start to talk about is it really Damian Lillard's time because I do think that it is. But, you know, moving forward, one of the things that I got to talk about and that I got to give a shout-out to is my boy Tiger Woods. He won his fifth major. He won his 15th major. He got his first majors, I mean, master's title in 13 years. The guy won. He got a green jacket in 1997, 2001, 2002, 2005, and now 2019. This guy was the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. He was the PGA Tour Player of the Year 11 times, and we know it's all about the money, baby. And he was the PGA Tour Leading Money Getter for 10 times. So when I look at people and they, they don't want to – I guess go into the hype of Tiger Woods or they 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 don't want to give, you know, the acclaim to it. We got to look and see that Tiger Woods is one of the best athletes of our generation and and actually one of the most dominant of our generation. I can remember when all the Wheaties boxes had Tiger Woods. I can remember when he was on every Nike commercial and he was just on the top of just athletes in general. I mean, people were thinking that comparing him to to Jordan as far as the dominance at the time so you know to see where he's come from and then you know being plagued with the back injuries and you not being able to go and win masters and not going out to win these major titles people were saying he was done he had a social media mugshot that went viral where you know he was may have took prescription pills a little bit you know not the right way and you know wound up crashing and you know that had that big issue so you know he has been ridiculed he's been at the bottom he's hit rock bottom and I think that it's really a a tremendous accomplishment for him to go out and win that green jacket because when people it's tough for people to be on your side or tough for people to to believe in you when you aren't producing and Tiger Woods for some time wasn't producing and getting wins. So I'm just very happy that, you know, he's gotten some sort of redemption here. And now a lot of people were talking about the race for the 19 is still is still a thing now. I mean, before he won this major, he had 14. He hadn't won in a while. And everybody was like, oh, there's no way he's going to get 19. But. Now that he wins this Masters, I think the Tiger Woods confidence has skyrocketed, and now you can start to say that he might get 19 and break Jack Nicholas's record. So I look at Tiger Woods, and I want to just you know give him a shout-out because it's not easy to go out to win the Masters, let alone win it five times. And especially to come from rock bottom, you got to be happy for him. So shout-out to Tiger Woods. I hope you know you continue to be successful and prove people wrong because I, I do think you can beat Jack Jack Nicholas's record. So let's uh all give Tiger a little golf clap, and we're gonna go on to the end of the show here. Um, the time has flown. I know I keep saying that, but it, it it's really starting to come together with this show. Um, 
especially you know spending time with my father who's you know the production manager for the show you know and being able to put together all the different segments for my show and you know just going out and doing my sports research it's just it's just been an amazing fun time and to just really get the ball rolling on this project and just to see where it can go it's it's really when i think reflectively it's impacted me in a big way and i think it also gives a lot of people out there something to watch something to listen to and it it makes you think when you listen to my show um you have to surround yourself around people that make you think because if you're not thinking then you're not you know progressing or you're not developing as a human being so you know i hope that when you listen to the show and talk that talk you know you're able to think about the things that i'm saying and think about the sports topics and See, see, see about your own perspective. You know, um, I want to shout out some people that were listening in. We got to shout out Tom Thibodeau, repping out there in Florida. Um, definitely miss bowling with you, brother, and hopefully we can bowl again soon. Got to shout out my boy Savion Gainer, big Knicks fan, one of my best friends. Um, we carpool a lot, and you know I really appreciate your support, brother. Um, want to shout out my boy Lewis Garrett as always. Um, you know you've been a great uh, support. You know to me, not only on the podcast but just you know in working it and being a friend. So you know shout out to you. Also want to shout out to my boy Stevie Tag, Steve Taglarini. Thanks for listening in, buddy. Uh, I know you're a big Yankee fan, but got to give my Mets some love. Um, also want to give a shout out to Marie Vasquez. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you watch again. And then I got to give a shout out to my boy, Jeff Farrell. Somebody get this guy, uh, <laughs> give him some uh, some shock treatment. I think he's on life support now. The, the, the Nets have lost. So <laughs> we'll see what happens, man. So shout out to Jeff. And then also I'm going to shout out Kristen Haley. Uh, she's been... She's been coming to me saying, oh, you don't want to shout out your girlfriend. So I'm going to give her a shout out. Thank you, honey. Thank you for listening in. Um, And that about does it for our show. Just want to also shout out our sponsors. Uh, I got to give a shout out to VW Liquors located in Wick Plaza on Route 1 in Edison, New Jersey. We always do this for Dave. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Alright, so if you need some some beer I'm gonna pop my celebratory beer after this I got it from VW Liquor, so go check them out Also gotta give a shout out to Executive Bar and Restaurant Located in Carteret, New Jersey 30 Menu Street Um, They got some of the best Indian food Um, We got a, a big private party with Big Daddy Kane coming up That I'm gonna be bartending So that is an awesome place to go check out some food Check out some drinks Uh, It's really good over there So take my word for it Go on down there Tell them you know Barry And I promise you Prashant will get you some food At a nice, nice rate So let's give him a shout out And then also I gotta shout out my boy Cody Bromley At 91s.com He's got a a very dope clothing line That's out right now Um, He's got an acid collection that you got to check out He's got some of the sports teams on there So if you like going you know, out to Brooklyn Or you want to look funky fresh on the beach 
uh, definitely check out some of his stuff, man, because he has some amazing things. And you got to support people that are doing things for the right way and the right reasons. So, you know, shout out to him. Go to his website, 91s.com. The code is ACID20. And get yourself some gear. But I got to get to this Met game. The Mets are down 5-0 to the Phillies. I know all my Philadelphia fans aren't going to let me live that one down for the next day or two. So I got to get to this show. I got to have my celebratory beer with my dad. Tune in every Tuesday, 7 p.m. The Talk That Talk show with Barry Holmes will be there for you to tune in. Talk That Talk. Thank you for listening.